Welcome to episode 46 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. What a holiday weekend we just experienced. Uh, me and the boys took a little time off for a little R&R. It is the summer, uh, but we got a Stanley Cup game on tonight, and we got uh, AEW Dynamite Road Rager. They're hitting the road again, finally, after what, 15 months, boys? Um, and we finally have a live event in Miami. We just watched it. We're going to go over all the fun facts and we got some uh, other great uh, news to, uh, get you all caught up on, but let's get acquainted first over in Glendale, someone who keeps it regal, Steve Grobschmidt. How are you, Grabby? You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. <laughs> Where? Is billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho Man? That punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go where I want, when I want. Wow. I know, I feel like uh, I need to stand and applaud. I'm <laughs> up out of my chair applauding that awesome delivery. <laughs> Steve, keeping it regal as usual. My favorite promo of all time. I actually have the whole thing memorized. I stopped early though. Looking <laughs> great yeah and if you don't know that's the bad guy razor ramon very well executed um boy wow matt i really hate to say it you got to stay really freshly squeezed to top something like that and matt hard Anderson, how are you sir well i'm just gonna have to make up with it uh with energy super kick party <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. Very well done. And as they are some of the most fun tag team pair probably going in wrestling right now, we'll get into it a little bit later, but the Young Bucks are straight fire right now. Uh, their outfits, the gimmicks coming out, Don Callis, everything is clicking, clicking, clicking for the Young Bucks, as we saw tonight on AEW Road Rager. But that's not the biggest story of the night. I think there was a bigger one. And something that all wrestling fans can get behind. Um, this was a very big, big surprise. I think it came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody could have predicted this. And uh, what a delivery it was. We saw formerly known Alistair Black debut on AEW Dynamite tonight in a very well uh, reveal that we'll uh, talk about in just a sec here. He is now going by the name Malachi Black. And I like that too. Uh, very dark. Looked like Malachi had a little bruised up side of his face. I don't know if that was makeup or all natural. Uh, and, he's so. going, and he's going with a, uh, like a blue uh, contact lens too. So he's looking really fucked up and I kind of like it. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like Abaddon's, uh, you know, cousin right now. <laughs> and um, 
yeah. So this reveal, boys, let's talk about this. Steve, you said you watched uh, right off the bat the Cody versus QT Marshall. They said there was some technical difficulties. In yeah. That. So I can only assume it was all part of a master plan because the lights went out and the announcers, I mean, you know, people were bitching about Jim Ross screwing up last week, but they played it off like, oh, sorry, there's bad weather in the area. There's a power edge because the lights was. came back. The lights came back. Yeah, there's there is legit there was weather. A big hurricane. Well, yeah, what you got. Right. Perfect. And um, they came back, the lights came on and there was nobody there. So it's like, oh, wow, the power went out. And then when Arn and Cody were back in the ring, they went out again. And it's like and it sat there for a while. And again, the, the announcers played it brilliantly. They're like, you know, folks, we said there's weather. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, and that, but then I was sitting there like, oh, this is kind of going on a while. And then, boom, the lights went on and he was there. And it was just amazing. Like just the reaction. I mean, I think. The recurring theme of tonight is how great is it that they're back on the road? Because that crowd just was electric. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, 100%. I um, had just finished eating dinner right before this segment aired. So I'm doing dishes at the time, just kind of keeping one eye on the TV, one eye on what I'm doing. And I actually saw Arn Anderson on TV and I'm thinking like, why are these guys back out here? What are they talking about now? So I didn't really pay all that much attention. And then the lights go out. And that's when I kind of knew just from earlier, I'm thinking, okay, another callback or the lights go out. And anytime in pro wrestling, I would say nine times out of 10, if the lights go out, there's, there's a reason, right? You know, they may say it's weather, but it's all a work. And we see the lights come back on and there he is Malachi black. And I actually didn't see the big reveal. I heard the crowd go nuts. And then I look at the screen and I see his face. And it took me a second because I thought to myself, oh, there's Alistair Black. And then it hit me right away. Like, wait, I'm not watching NXT or WWE. This is AEW. This is incredible. Um, and then he hits Arn with a black mass. I don't know what they're calling that kick now, but man, he's still got it. And it's so cool to see him in AEW. He was just getting wasted in WWE. And finally, I hope we get to see some of the classic magic from like the NXT days of Alex Black that made him, you know, somebody that everybody loves to watch. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was just dreading the thought that he was going to go back to WWE like his wife. And um, I was really scared about that because, you know, you saw these reports like, um, that they fired him but then there was like the second guessing and they're like oh no no we didn't mean to do that and it's like what guarantee was there ever going to be that they were going to use him right the next time after they actually fired him so i'm so glad he wound up in aew they're going to use him perfectly i guess i missed it but um i remember I, I saw some people on twitter there was some dude like bitching like how do they know his new name and all that if he's just debuting i guess he dropped a video this afternoon like kind of playing this effed up like new character um so the tease was there and uh there he was tonight wow. yeah it's funny you say that steve because i actually saw that video on instagram and i i follow alistair black pretty well malachi black now pretty closely on instagram and he's released a lot of really dark sinister vignettes lately but you don't know what to make of it, right? Is it just him putting some content out there, you know, looking for work, trying to put himself out there so other companies see it and hopefully pick him up? Well, I think we learned tonight that there was definitely a story behind those vignettes. And thank God, because I really hoped we'd see Alistair Black in AEW. And I'm really excited to see where this goes, especially just the work rate and just the match style they have. It's going to be exciting for sure. I was kind of... 
I was, I, I, I mean, I was for sure caught off guard. I didn't think we would see Alistair Black in AEW this quick. I thought it might have went on a little longer. Hopefully, they picked him up along the way. But I man, I, you know, I don't have any sense of the timing. But I guess part of the mystery for me was I thought he was still maybe under a ninety day or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just saw something on the internet about that. Um, apparently, WWE waived that clause from his contract, which mm. really surprised me because of all people they were second guessing releasing him and really wanted him back. So why wouldn't you hold that clause in the contract? But they very rarely do it. If you guys remember the one, the one notable time they did it was when gold dust left and they basically triple H personally, like I think let him wave that so that he could go be with his brother in AEW, which was kind of cool, but that's rare. (laughs) I have a feeling, uh, selena vega was the sacrificial lamb for the relationship like <laughs> alistair you go be free i'll go back to the dark empire the dark company and make good money buried <laughs> yes i'll collect the checks we still won't get health insurance but we can use yours if you go to AEW. <laughs> um you know it, it was probably a partnership effort there was probably some kind of deal worked out because getting selena back in wwe like you boys said it was just like what the fuck you candor why would you bring her back yeah, yeah she, she caught a lot of heat on the internet for that too, as far as right. selling out and stuff like that. But now that we've seen Alistair debut on AEW, I think the pieces are starting to come into place more. And yeah. let's just talk about uh, who he's teeing up first. I mean, the guy who just probably he had a, uh, a you know signing the contract with Cody Rhodes, and then he's out there black massing him in the face. That's I thought the same thing. Um, I, you know, the timing of it couldn't have been better, I think, for Cody as well, because the opening of the show, QT Marshall versus Cody in the strap match, Cody goes over as he always seems to do and (laughs) puts a close to that feud with QT Marshall, at least for the time being. So I think if Alistair Black's going to debut and his first feud's going to be with Cody, they segued into it almost perfectly. Like, how often does that happen where you end one feud and start another on the same night? in two different segments. Pretty amazing. So it'll be cool to see. I really hope, I don't doubt the match between these two or whatever we're, we see over the next few weeks is going to be fantastic. And I mean, this just cements Cody's legacy too, of always propping up other people yeah, while keeping himself relevant mm-hmm. and playing it from the mid card. So yeah, I mean, say what you will, you can have an opinion, you can be for it or not. I mean, I think the guy, I think the guy, his heart's in the right place. He always wants to have the other people succeed, of course, but he always, I mean, he always wins. So it, it's, it's interesting. So, um, but he doesn't you know, always win. You know, I, I'm one of those people that like, Oh, I really wanted to see Anthony and go, win. Oh, I thought Sean Spear, you know, I find myself thinking, Oh, why didn't he put this guy over? But yeah, I, I agree with everything you said in terms of him being, I think he puts the company first. Sure, he wins a lot, but yet I guess if he put over every name I just said, right. putting over people wouldn't matter. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's like he, he put over Luke Harper. Oh, shit, not Luke Harper. Uh, I just lost that. Brody Lee. Brody Lee to win that title. He put over Darby Allen, who is one of their top stars. Lance so, Archer. Lance Archer. Um, yeah, I think, I think Malachi Black will be in that group that he does. I agree. I, I will be stunned. I know I was wrong about a go-go and all that, but I will be. I, I, I would almost put money down that he will put over uh, Malachi. Right. It's the and right if, thing to do. 
And you guys probably saw the little grin that uh, Malachi broke out uh, as he walked yeah. back up the ramp. You could tell the old boy felt at home and uh, he's happy and he's going to do nothing but great things in that company. I almost guarantee it. If he can stay healthy, he's he could be getting his just desserts, which is a world championship. Totally agree. Absolutely. Sky's the limit for that guy. And now he actually works somewhere that'll like let him achieve that. Absolutely. Can't wait to see uh, let old Malachi spread his wings. And uh, speaking of wings being spread, uh, there's a little bird that was chirping in my ear where you boys had a disagreement about Andrade's build. Uh, his, uh, his build into the company, some people say it's been a little slow, not that great, uneventful, but there's others that are saying, hey, this is the real deal. What say you boys? Who wants to get the ball rolling? Yeah. So I feel like I should, I, I can kick this off. I sort of instigated this over a group text prior to the podcast. So when we first saw Andrade El Idolo debut in AEW, the debut wasn't all that great. And there was really two things I think that worked against him. The first one was Vicky Guerrero comes out screaming, doing her old WWE shtick. And you couldn't hardly understand what she was saying. Cause she was just going way too hard with her gimmick. And right. you know, Excalibur actually had to chime in and say, wait, did she just say Andrade El Idolo? Like, yeah. Okay. Thanks Excalibur. Cause I didn't really catch it either. Um, and then we see him walk out with no music and it was just sort of a strange entrance. Like there was, there was a crowd, but the reception was kind of just slow, like a slow build, right? Like he didn't get that big pop. Like we saw tonight with Alistair Black. So I think in terms of his initial debut, it was a little, little bit of a false start. Then over the next few weeks from there, we see him going through these interviews with JR, which I think personally were good. Um, we talked about this a little bit as well prior to the podcast. Andrade has made a clear effort to learn English a lot more because I think that's where his biggest shortcoming was with WWE in particular. And in some of the interviews he's done with JR, he's really come across as a superstar um, just in the way he carries himself the fact that they can, you know, subtitle some of his interviews, stuff like that. And they just present him a lot better. So I think that was a plus, but then after that, there was this match with Vicky Guerrero in it that everybody just ended up flubbing and, you know, a couple of people got injured and it just did not go well. And so I feel like from the start with the exception of maybe a couple interviews that Andrade has done, which were, I would say mediocre, um, you know, even though he's, you know, got a different persona that he did in WWE, that's great, but it just, something didn't really click for me at least. Um, and the other two times that we saw him or Vicky Guerrero, it, it just didn't click. And I quite frankly think a big part of the problem is Vicky Guerrero. I don't know that she's the right manager necessarily for him. I understand why they did pair them together visually and conceptually. It makes sense, but I think in execution, it kind of falls short. Um, and then tonight, we finally get the debut of Andrade in the ring against Matt Seidel and the match. My take on it was it was fine. It was maybe 10, 12 minutes long. Um, I don't think the picture in picture during a commercial really helped the match at all. I think it could have been a lot better without any commercial breaks, but we did see a couple of cool spots from Andrade. There was the double moonsault off the top rope. That was pretty cool. Um, something we haven't seen since his NXT days and then uh, the hammerlock DDT that he was known for back in the day as well. So, um, so I think those spots were really good, but he spent a lot of time walking around the ring. 
trying to work the crowd. They didn't seem all too into it at a lot of points. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I stand with Andrade at this point. I don't get me wrong. He was great in WWE. I still have that opinion of him and I still like him. I'm just concerned for the more casual fans or the AEW diehards who maybe haven't watched WWE, which I don't know that those exist, but if they do, I don't know that they put Andrade out there in the best light. So that was kind of my take on it. And Steve had a little bit different opinion, but I'll let him share that. I'm going to start because we're the best friends with with the part I agree with you on. And that is, I really don't think Vicky Guerrero does anything for him. I think she's been more comedy than not. You know, I, I think she does good work. I think she's put a lot into her character over the years. Like, you know, all that. I don't, I don't have anything against her. I just don't think the two work together. I would have put him, you know, I just thought of it today. Like what that was it Alex or Abraham. Oh crap. What's his name? The guy that's the translator for, um, for Penta, uh, Alex Abrahantes, like someone like that might've actually worked a little bit better because he's got a little more fire. He's a little comical, but he could probably play it serious. But so that aside, I guess that's the part I agree with you on, but I made the comment to somebody the other day that I think what I like about the, uh, Andrade build is that they got this, like, they've managed to convincingly make him look like this elite, like rich guy. That's like, and it's just, you don't need perfect English to convey that like excellence. And I feel like that's where it's worked for me that he has this presence about him and larger than life, even more so than he had in WWE. And I liked his promo last week when he was talking about Matt, somebody or whatever, we kept calling him that name. Um, so I like, I really like that build. Now I, I, I thought the crowd, I thought he was like, maybe it's cause it's in Miami and there's a, you know, a pretty, substantial hispanic population there but he got some chants going for him tonight and um you know it was the match in the grand scheme of things anything out of this world no i think he did all the hits and at least you know he i don't think a squash would have been appropriate because seidel was um you know he's like number five contender and i watch i watch sporadic uh dark and dark elevation to see that they've been piling up the wins for him. But I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about what they're going to do with him. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Obviously he seems to be playing a heel, but so I don't know what's next for him. He'll probably get in some feud with somebody, but um, I don't know. I think I'm encouraged by it. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I would say to sum it up, right character, wrong manager. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree with both of you boys. Yes. I think, Vicky, discourse. I think the Vicky Guerrero is the right manager for Andrade. They just haven't carved out the characters great yet. What I would like to see is, okay, Vicky is, you know, pretty much over the hill. She should be dressing kind of like, you know, 1990s casino or 80s Las Vegas, like real glam, like just the way that they make all the other chicks wardrobe look like i mean she should be looking like she's going to bingo with the leopard print silk shirts shit in her hair big glasses and i want andrade to be that submissive type to her like she brought him in like andrade rub my feet oh my god (laughs) you know like do shit like that like have andrade do shit that he doesn't want to do and, you know, she'll, like, you know, touch his ass or, like, you know, grab his pecs. You know, do the do creepy little, old lady stuff. Yeah, just do some sexual harassment on air, you know? 
I think they need to do more of that where Andrade's like, you know, Vicky, I don't want to do it, but you are my flower. You know, you, you got to do it because, you know, she's your manager. Like, he, I think that's the route they need to take because what they have right now, it's just going through the motions of all their old characters. I think, and and what, you know, and and we've seen it successfully done with like Britt Baker and Rebel. Uh, Like they're just having fun and entertaining. I think these two have the the qualities and the opportunity to do it. They just got to go for it. They got to figure it out. I mean, if the dude can't speak English that well, become entertaining without speaking English. And that would be, you know, getting fucking ribbed by Vicky Guerrero. So that's my two cents. Fair enough. I I agree. It it feels like they aren't having a lot of fun with this character. Now, granted, if they want to be a serious heel, I get it. But to your point, Mike, you know, Britt Baker, when you when she cuts a promo, you can mm-hmm. tell she's so comfortable, <laughs> just lets it rip. Um, now, granted, Andrade is new to this company as well, so I'm sure he's still trying to find his footing. But my only hope is he picks up on something quickly that allows him to get over a little bit more with the crowd and give himself time to build up that confidence. Yeah. I mean, even Mira went through his lumps uh, <laughs> early on in his uh, debut. Hopefully it's only a matter of time. I mean, I can see Miro and Andrade having a great storyline, but yeah, him and Vicky need to figure their shit out. There's an intergender uh, conflict going on. And speaking of that, there was an intergender conflict this evening um, I don't know who it was between because I was locked into the Stanley Cup. So, but I heard it was uh, pretty special. Anybody want to fill me in on that? Yeah, I'll give you the uh, quick overview of what the match was, but I want to turn it over to Steve to give his thoughts because I know that uh, his favorite alien was part of this match. So, mm-hmm. we saw in this match uh, the Blade and the Bunny, who I recently learned, I believe, are married in real life. Yes. Um, which is really interesting. So they went up against Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy, my boy, freshly squeezed. Mm -hmm. And the match was really interesting because I can't recall the last intergender tag team match I saw on AEW or WWE, especially where there was um, moves performed by women on men, even though that wasn't part of the rules. So Steve, maybe I'll let you share a little more with the listeners, but I just want to set the background. Um. So I first, uh, yeah, my first comment that, that, that you guys are I think referring to is that with the disclaimer, obviously, that I only have eyes for my beloved wife, um, I have to admit that I got like this, like, like, like the more I see Chris Detlander, I'm like, damn, she's really attractive. And I don't know what it is about her. I think maybe it's women from Andromeda. I think that, you know, otherworldly. Yeah. Well, you're a sci-fi guy. You can't help. Her. I am. And she's just got that like nerd. I don't know. She's, I, I just think in her character's great. She's got a good look. She's a really good wrestler. So I don't know. She's, she's like winning me over more and more every uh, uh, day. And I think Matt echoed that, but just, just in full, full kind of that. It's not just me. There's a number of friends of mine, you know, admittedly fellow sci-fi nerds like me that all agree with that statement. Like, there's something about her. So I think she's tapped into a, uh, like, you know, that, that, that nerd thing, which I think she herself is. And she is uh, a, yeah, she's got it going on. She is a thoroughbred mm-hmm. human being. I mean, she, I said she is Chris stacked lander. 
her legs she's, have so much power to them. It doesn't I, matter. I mean, she, I, she could put on a match with Brian Cage, and it could be match of the year. I feel like down the line, if they worked at it. I mean, there, there she could a, she could do select intergender matches. Not I'm, I'm personally not a fan of that, but she could pull it off with her physique and everything. Like yeah. more so even I think than like a Tessa Blanchard or those that have done it. Um, I think like she could wrestle the butcher and it would be a perfectly credible looking match. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. In fact, one of my favorite spots from this match that we saw tonight was a i believe it was a 450 splash by chris stantlander off the top rope onto the blade so mm-hmm. pretty awesome spot you know in any world of pro wrestling that move would inflict damage no matter you know who your opponent is male or female so i agree with you guys i think putting her in more intergender matches she could totally pull it off and i think she's one of few women who could and maybe that's part of the appeal She's she's one of their best assets right now. I feel. They seem to be pushing her too because you know she debuted in that that arcade thing and that went over well. And then she was kind of you know she was showing up most weeks, but she's put in some wins on elevation and stuff. But now the last two weeks she's had wins on the main show. I feel like they're doing something with her. Before her injury, they were pushing her a lot, and yeah, I was, she had a title shot. I mean, she she was getting a lot of airtime with with a gimmick that wasn't resolved yet until she started like doing the ET like finger tap thing. Yeah. Uh, that like got it like, okay, we can get into this a little bit more now pairing her with the best friends, renewing her look. She looks in even better shape out of her injury than going hey, into it. Totally agree. She is unbelievable. And then, yeah, pairing her up with the best friends and orange with that Pixies intro music. It's just a killer. They got a really good thing going on with her. I really, really enjoy uh, seeing her wrestle. It doesn't matter if she's wrestling a guy or if she's wrestling the chicks. It seems like she can do it all. She does have a gymnastics background. I guess that's ah. what came up. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, she's got a gymnastics background. I think she's Australian or New Zealand or whatever. But, um, yeah, physical Speak- specimen. Speaking of uh, – um- gymnastics background um i also think it's kind of cool when people kind of break the barrier on twitter it was nice to see charlotte uh post accolades to her uh fiance uh, andrade for his debut tonight i like when those little things happen like that yeah definitely yeah especially someone in her position too yeah awesome yeah and speaking of positions there's uh one position that is at an all-time high and that's kenny omega um, absorbing belt after belt after belt in all different promotions, dominating AEW. Uh, but we've been seeing it in the past couple of weeks and something that we've been foreshadowing here on the show that Hangman Adam Page um, will be taking a run at Kenny Omega. Did something happen with them tonight? Did I miss yeah, that? Absolutely. Yeah. There was an in-ring altercation. So um, Kenny Omega and the outstanding golden shining God, Don Callis were out in the ring together doing as they do best and smarming it up. And the dark order came out once again, like they did last week and evil Uno cut a great promo on, um, on Kenny Omega on how, you know, why is he dodging hangman and hangman's the number one contender. And then I think Kenny Omega kicked them in the balls. And then, uh, the, the, um, good brothers and there's there's an altercation with the um 
with the Dark Order, and then Kenny was about to clock Evil Uno, and Hangman came out, and they went toe-to-toe, and then, uh, yeah, that's like, that was the big tease now, yeah. There were, so there were four things in this segment that just popped me and made it just one of the best segments of the night, so first and foremost, uh, Earthworm Jim, or I'm sorry, Don Callis was out there uh, talking, and the crowd started chanting, you got fired at the top of their lungs and God, I've never felt more vindicated in my life (laughs) except for that moment. Um, So that was one of them. The second one was Kenny Omega's beard is seriously. So obviously I'm partial to beards for our listeners. This is a audio podcast. I have a beard, so I'm a little bit biased, but Kenny Omega with a beard is 10 times the man Kenny Omega without a beard is. So there's that as well. Um, the third thing that really got me was Evil Uno's cutting his promo. And I believe before getting kicked in the balls, Kenny Omega asked him what the capital of Thailand was, which I thought was really confusing. And kicks him and says, Bangkok, baby. And Classic. One, of the, one of the best lines of the night by far. Um, it's right up there with 69 me, Don. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the fourth and final thing, obviously, Hangman Page comes out. And they have a face-off in the ring, finally reveals, like, this is real, this is happening. So all that stuff together, just what a great segment of pro wrestling. Like, they they can do no wrong. This is going to be an awesome build-up. It's only a matter of time. It could take a year, but it's going to be worth it. You can almost see how it's playing out, can't you? I mean... They have told this story so perfectly for years now. It's like, you know, they were tag team champs. Uh, Hangman had his demons and, you know, like had a falling out with the elite and faltered. Um, The whole Dark Order propping him up. This is like all these things they've done with Hangman from day one have all culminated in this moment. And Hangman is like one of the most over people in wrestling right now. That crowd went crazy for him. And I think this has all just been perfectly orchestrated. Maybe not at the next pay-per-view. Maybe not at the one after that. But I firmly believe Kenny's going to lose the title to hangman at some point and it's whatever arena they in it's just gonna the roof's gonna come off for sure and i mean this is all i want this feels like a rocky versus drago uh rocky four kind of situation i want i want a montage where the song is like push it to the limit (laughs) you know like the classic (laughs) montage where you're working hard up for the match I want to see the Dark Order training Hangman, like dumping out his beer when he tries to take a drink, you know, classic (laughs) 80s shit. Then you got Don Callis, you know, just fanning, you know, Kenny Omega in the gym in a state-of-the-art facility. Uh, Man, I mean, it could be just so creative. I just want to see um, the writers do something fun because don't you remember back in like, what was it, WrestleMania 11? Was it Iron... The Ironman match between Hitman and Shawn Michaels, was that 11 or 12 or 10? Uh, it was one of those, yeah. Well, whatever. Either way, Jose Lavar- Jose Lafario yep. was like training Shawn Michaels, and they kind of did that. They showed Bret Hart running in Canada up the mountains. They had fucking Shawn Michaels in Texas in like this gym doing upside down handstand push-ups up against American flag. They really, they really built up like the America versus Canada rivalry, two dudes who want it bad. That's what they need to do with this. And I know they will. I mean, I'm not trying to like, you know, tell them what to do, 
I think we are going to see it, but just how I just love the Dark Order, how they are just like yeah. the fanboys for Adam Page, and Adam Page can care less. But um, well, and I feel like they finally. I think I've said it on the show. I think we all have to a degree. You know, like the Dark Order was doing their thing, and then uh, Brody Lee passed away. And what do you do with the Dark Order? Then they kind of mm-hmm. became like an homage to him. And but right. then as like months went on, it's like okay, they got to do something with this group. They kind of feel directionless. Now they feel like they have a direction again. Oh, of course. They're like his like good like the angel on his shoulder, which is hilarious considering how that group started. Hundred percent. It would be, be so fun. It, I mean, the moment you know Adam Hangman Page will be your AEW champion, the moment he brings a glass up to his mouth, looks at it, and dumps it out, and he and he takes it more seriously. The he takes going after Kenny more seriously than boozing it here with the boys. That's so, right. Yeah, and you know what? Don't sell yourself. You you can give advice to AEW because I know there's high word has it unconfirmed that high ranking people at AEW listen to keep the kayfabe and perhaps <laughs> even get ideas from us. I think that's true. I mean, there is there is um, there. I mean, we do call a lot of stuff on this show that does come to light. I mean, they didn't go with our ice train uh, Hobbs nickname mm-hmm. like they should have i mean but that was early on in our podcast now that we have a couple episodes i think they're starting to pay attention and i think they'll be listening tonight it was a big night and uh why wouldn't you tune in uh the next day to hear what the keep the kayfabe boys have to say 100 percent, and i think they'd be foolish not to take that quality of fantasy booking that's honestly the best at, like i i genuinely wish they do that now mike and i'm going to be disappointed <laughs> if and when they don't it's oh, a no. common known. Thanks. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know if our listeners know this, but you guys might remember this, that I met Cody Rhodes. So I kind of have an in right. with AEW. I took a picture with him and his dog. So right. you could say I have some clout with him. We'll shoot out some notes. We'll shoot out some emails. We'll touch. Uh, we'll do some touches to uh, the higher ups. Just, uh, you know, let them know that we're paying attention. Yeah. And something that we paid attention to long ago that changed the landscape of wrestling forever. Uh, it was a 25 years ago today that Hulk Hogan turned heel at Bash at the Beach uh, 1996. And uh, like I said, the world of wrestling has never been the same. The ultimate baby, vo- uh, baby face now becomes the ultimate villain. Exactly. Boys, do you remember that one? I mean, we've covered it in our uh, past episodes. Uh, BH uh, before Hollywood. That's a classic episode <laughs> in the art uh, archives and take a listen to that where we break down the greatest moments of wrestling of all time. But hard to believe that 25 years ago. Oh my gosh. You know, it seems like I actually had, I don't remember if I was watching it with anybody, maybe my dad, but we got that pay per view and it was what a moment. I mean, yeah, it's like. For those of you that weren't watching then, Hogan, you know, we all know Hulk Hogan, legend of WWE, made wrestling what it is today. There were issues with the whole steroid thing and all that. Eventually, WWE decided to go a different direction. He made a huge deal to WCW. He was kind of big for a while. But even in those last months, years, whatever, at WCW, Hulkamania was kind of getting stale. And fans were, you know, they had the dungeon of doom against him. And it just, I don't know, it just wasn't all that great. And then perfect timing, the great, you know, all-time great 
good guy turns heel and joins the new world order taking on WCW. And it was just, I don't remember the, in the exact moment I was in, if it was a hundred percent, like, Oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Or if maybe a, a thought creeped in my head, Bobby, the brain Heenan, the consummate hate hater of Bobby of uh, Hulk Hogan is like, what side is he on? And I know people like kind of, you know, revisionist history or like, Oh, that kind of spoiled the moment, but no, it was just Bobby Heenan playing his character 100%. He always said Hogan was a scumbag and they finally had his moment where he was right. Bobby, but, uh, Bobby Heenan, the boy who cried Hogan. Yeah, exactly. And finally, finally he got his moment where he's like, I told you, but uh, no, it was such a great moment. And it just, you know, it laid out Macho Man like that. And then the, the promo he cut after where he's telling the kids that, you know, the say your prayers kids to stick it and like everything about it was great. And actually, you know, I listened to, Eric Bischoff's podcast this past uh, Monday and he was talking, it was the episode, they covered the episode after the bash at the beach where Hogan turned heel and Sting, like if you guys have a chance, watch it. Sting and the Macho Man cut just outstanding promos, like, you know, like countering what he's done. And then even throughout the show, they even have heels and faces talking about like this big moment of Hulk Hogan turning heel, like Kevin Sullivan, the despicable game master is even talking about it. It was just, it was really well done. I forgot how good that episode was. Yeah. I, I don't remember the moment when Hulk Hogan turned heel. Cause I was more of a WWF guys. We've talked about on past episodes, but through this podcast, I've relived these memories that I never had to begin with through you guys. And yeah, I, I mean, I went back and rewatched that moment when Hulk Hogan turns his turns heel, joins the NWO, or starts the NWO with Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. And man, even today, what a moment, because you just think about Hulk Hogan of the late eighties, early nineties, just the perfect white meat baby face, just turning heel. Um, but Steve, to your point, you know, that character had really gotten stale by the mid to late nineties. And this was the perfect moment for the per at the perfect time for the perfect guy who needed this. And what a great moment. And I actually did see this on Instagram today. I forget where I saw it, but yeah, somebody had called out that this was the 25th anniversary of the NWO forming and man, what a big day in wrestling history. Yeah. I mean, it's truly one of the big, the greatest storylines of all time. And you know, we actually had a, a stretch of time, 83 weeks to be precise, that WWE was the number two wrestling league. I mean, my gosh, what a moment. Still my favorite era of wrestling, although I have to admit, AEW in 2021, like, pulls some of that out of me, like, where I still, you know, I have a show every week that I look forward to, and I get excited every day, every Wednesday. Um, it's not quite to the level of the late 90s, but it's comparable hey and you didn't have a podcast in the late 90s no <laughs> didn't even know what a podcast was exactly and i mean it was a great business move too on their part like you guys have said i think all the young hulkamaniacs grew up it might have fallen you know by the wayside and or maybe the people that were young hulkamaniacs still were with hulk but they you know doesn't you know how many hulk t-shirts can you buy well, flip the script and, uh, you know, put a, I mean, this like put the jumper cables on wrestling again when this happens. I mean, if you tear down Hulk Hogan's everything and rebrand him and move forward, I mean, that's just millions and millions of dollars. 
that they just with a with a quick decision like make him a bad guy how hard is that and now you're you know are sitting on piles of money and um you know created that rivalry then created you know the attitude era stone cold steve austin just just everything that we keep bringing up about the attitude era that none of that would have happened unless that would have turned heel it or who knows what wrestling would be today so 25 years ago today mark it on your calendars folks um sting was rumored to be the third man and they and eric bischoff pushed for it and because hogan balked and then hogan changed his mind and the rest was history crazy crazy stuff you know i'm a big sting fan but if sting had turned heel in that moment and led the nwo it would have been a cool story it would have been a big thing but i don't think we'd be talking about it 25 years later no you'd still probably have hair Well, we just got done talking about one living legend. There's another living legend that was on a little bit of a rough skid there for a while, but I guess is doing a lot better. Uh, the king, the godfather of hardcore, Terry Funk, the Funker, uh, had a close call. Was it what was his uh, what was his condition? Was it his liver or his kidneys? Or- no, I, I mean I don't have a story. I don't know, Matt, if you do, but like I guess. You know, there's reports that went out from Don Morocco, among others, that he's battling dementia and he's actually in a assisted living place that specializes with memory loss type issues like that. I don't know that that's untrue, but I know Tommy Dreamer came out and said that he just met him and he actually was pretty coherent and doing pretty well. That's good. I'm not an expert. I don't want to over speculate but i guess you know if he does have dementia or you know alzheimer's anything like that sometimes you have good days sometimes you bad you have bad so i'm guessing there is some sort of issue like that it's just you know he's wavering in and out of how well he's doing yeah i had heard the same thing and i actually also heard uh those comments from Tommy Dreamer. Um, I, I was listening to the What Culture podcast as I tend to do another great podcast to listen to after you're done listening to this one. But Tommy Dreamer uh, and Terry Funk are still pretty close from my understanding. And I guess Tommy Dreamer had posted something about a recent conversation he had with Terry Funk. And it was kind of funny the way he wrote it. Um, it's sort of like, you can tell if you read it and just kind of think about it for a moment. You know, Terry obviously is battling dementia to some degree. Um, and it seems to me like just based on reading this, that, you know, he, he's doing it as well as you can be. Um, and Tommy dreamer, you know, obviously tried to spin it in a positive way where it's like, you know, you can still have a conversation with him. Um, there's things he's not going to remember, but you can still get along with them, still talk to him. And obviously the two of them still have a really good relationship. So, you know, hopefully Terry's doing okay. Hopefully, you know, things don't get any worse than they already are. And he continues to, have a, you know, fairly high quality of life just based on, you know, what it seems like is happening. So yeah, Terry Funk, man, kind of a sad, but uplifting story at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish Charlie was here because I think every one of us might have a different era or a different, um, um, side of like Terry Funk memory. I didn't watch ECW really, so I can't speak to the great run he had there. I don't even, I can't even speak to his run in WWE when he was like Chainsaw Charlie and some of this (laughs) other stuff. But I, you know, the thing I always think about with him is watching that 
I Quit match with him and Ric Flair in the uh, WCW and just how great it was. And, you know, you didn't see those matches as much back then. Now you see I Quit matches. But just the – it was such a brutal, brutal match. And I remember he was the bad guy. You know, he betrayed – flair and flair had a, a face run there but i just remember when they're going back and forth and you're like will you quit will you quit and like him finally submitting like i actually felt like i forgot for a moment it was all fake and i like kind of felt for him i remember it was like he did such a good job like with the emotions of it that that, that to me is like and i think for a lot of people one of the greatest terry funk memories is that match awesome yeah, I saw a little bit of Terry Funk in ECW. Uh, he had some pretty cool matches with Sabu. Some of them even got called off because they were getting hurt too bad. I mean, I didn't love seeing him wrestle because I just didn't want – he just always looked old. It didn't matter, like, if it was 40 <laughs> years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. He looked old all the time. And I was just like, who is beating on this old man with these light bulbs and – barbed wire bats and exploding rings i mean him and mick foley had just crazy crazy matches that i just like felt just please stop like don't do it like i we don't need to go that far but i mean you know it's it's their genre of wrestling that they do you know there's all different types of genres of music there's pop there's punk i mean hardcore wrestling is definitely like death metal basically and I mean, there's a lot of death metal fans out there and you got to satisfy the hunger. So, yeah, we're very glad that uh, Terry is doing much better. Uh, that's a big victory. And also a big victory just happened. The Tampa Bay Lightning just won the Stanley Cup, one of my favorite hockey teams. They beat the Montreal Canadiens in five games on home ice in Tampa. So they'll be lifting the cup second straight year in Tampa Bay in front of the fans that didn't get a chance to see them win the cup live there's people in the arena that are going to see so yeah life is getting back to normal all great things Woo! amen i'm happy about that result word up and speaking of great things we got a great promo of the week uh this one is submitted from alejandro from corpus christi texas he must be a big uh, tito santana fan because he submitted uh one of uh, uh a great promo from April 10th, 1984, and Tito Santana is sitting down with everybody's disgruntled Scotsman, Roddy, Roddy Piper in Piper's Pit. Let's take a listen. I'm Tito Santana from Mexico, I do believe. That's right, from Mexico. You know, the only time I've ever been to Mexico is one time, and I was down in Tijuana, and that's where they take, you know, where they take the donkeys, and they, they paint them up as zebras there and let the tourists sit on them and, and charge them pesos for that, you know, and, and they have no regard for their sister. And they, what, what they're doing, I guess, in Mexico is they're just trying to survive, and I'm asking you, is that the kind of place you come from in Mexico? And I've never really seen a good Latin fighter or Mexican fighter hold any championship, and it kind of is amazing to me that coming from a, a, a nothing place like that, wait having minute, somebody... Wait a minute, Piper. Okay, yes, yes, yes. The people in Mexico, brother, do what they have to do to survive. And they don't ask anybody for anything. And they don't ask you for anything. And I don't ask you for anything. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're getting off the point now. You're getting off the point. What I'm asking you, is that is that where you're from? It's exactly where I'm from. I was born in Tacula, Mexico. And don't you forget it. Tacula. I won't forget it. Tacula. Tacula. I got it. Tacula. Very simple. Tacula. And now you're a champion. I have never seen a Mexican champion, but I notice bags under your eyes. I notice all of a sudden, possibly the pressure is getting to you just a little bit. How long do you expect to be able to hang on to that? 
Well, I haven't even thought about it, but I know that I took me a long time to win this, and I worked hard. Wait a second, wait a second. And I'm going to take this one day at a time because I got a lot of opponents that I'm going to be facing, and they're going to be tough, but I'm going to take them one at a time. And I know that the people are behind me. Wait a second, people. I don't need you. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. People are behind you. Well, let's give an opportunity. Since you're Spanish, why don't you speak a little Spanish for the people? Just put you right on the spot. Speak some Spanish. Este cobarde. Me está volando las patas, pero las tapas, la gente mexicana es gente honrada. Se burlan de nosotros. Pero ahora soy mexicano y represento a toda la gente mexicana. Este título, Intercarnal Champion, para la gente mexicana y para toda la... Todo el público que me escucha a mí. You really think you're bad, don't you guys? You really want to find out how bad I am, brother? Just sign the name against me and step into the ring and you will find out how bad Tito Santana is. Arriba! You see, that's the difference between you and me. I ain't never been bad at nothing. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, Tito Santana gave his best shot, you know, sticking up for himself and his country uh, against, you know, a big bully that is Roddy Roddy Piper. But you got to hand it to Tito. He put, uh, you know, he made uh, Roddy back down a little bit there. When he did, he did. Arriba! Absolutely. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Tito, Tito, one of the classic baby faces of that era, a longtime Intercontinental Champion. You cannot go toe-to-toe with Piper. He did his best, but, yeah, you just, nobody can match wits with the hot rod. Nope, and this proved every bit of it. One can only try to go toe-to-toe with Roddy. And yeah, folks, I think that's going to do it for uh, this week's episode of Keep the Kayfabe. Uh, yeah, this was great. You know, catching up on uh, AEW Dynamite hits the road in Miami. We're excited to see uh, them in Milwaukee coming up here. And all mm-hmm. out are going sale, I guess, tomorrow. We got to get our shit together and get that all uh, organized so we can uh, do some live reporting down in oh my gosh Illinois. We, we owe it to the fan fans we are going to do our absolute best to be down there for that show got to give the people what they want oh, man. just like yours truly is going to do his absolute best to get tickets to boz skaggs when he comes to milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> truly absolutely oh so, did you guys catch did you guys catch up you know jim ross got some flack last week for saying wwe dynamite yeah uh, People were giving him mild flack this week because he called Excalibur Mark, which is his real name. (laughs) (laughs) I caught it. Honestly, it's so harmless. It's like it does that one doesn't bother me. I actually think Jim Ross did like pretty good today, especially with the playing off the lights dropping off. But it is funny that he called him Mark. (laughs) I just hope he's not going to be shacking up with Terry Funk anytime soon. Yeah, same. There was a moment on Road Rager tonight where. Jim Ross notably was about to say someone's name and then just stopped. And there was a good five seconds of just dead air while he was trying to think of the person's name, even though they were standing right in front of him and he had just said the name, you know, five seconds earlier. So hopefully JR is doing okay. Definitely don't want to see him being roommates with Terry, but we'll see. Wow. He's got some, uh, he's got some nice company in Reba. She's looking good. Oh, but, uh, oh my gosh, so can we just talk about one last thing quick? Like, yes. did you guys see, or those of you listening, see Britt Baker's promo tonight? Like, freaking gold. Like, the whole segment, top to bottom, was amazing. She was ranting. And again, I love how WWE leans into when they do something that doesn't go well, like that tag team match last week, which was a shit show. And she's like, 
you know, Britt Baker's like, that's a match nobody wanted to see. She just out and out says it. She's mm. making quips, and you can see Reba, like, making eyes and kind of, like, refuting with her hands, like, what she's saying. And and then um, she talks about, like, blood money and how, like, what are we going to do? Our show next week in Saudi Arabia? Oh, my God. Yeah. I popped so loud when she did that. Yeah, I, she is gold on the microphone. Fire. I just happened to hear that. Uh, again, that was as I was doing dishes after dinner and man, that line definitely got my attention. Even the crowd noise seemed to be kind of quieter in that part, but you could definitely hear their reaction after she said that, like the crowd just yeah. went nuts. It was yeah. so good. Cause I, I mean, that's exactly the, I think I in fact used those exact words myself that it was blood money going over there. So it's like, I freaking love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you could hear the crowd uh, get a little excited for that. And Reba, yeah, when she's pointing. Rebel. Sh- or Rebel, excuse me. Uh, pointing, like, she's the, the whole team is just great. Shivani adds to it, too. He's he's madly in love with... Um, Britt Baker. The Brit, with the good Dr. Britt Baker, yes. Yeah. If uh, Shivani was a couple years younger and name was Adam Cole, he would be happier than JR at a steakhouse. Oklahoma. I think uh, that's going to be it for us. So please continue to uh, follow us on Instagram and Spotify. Uh, Follow us on Facebook. Like, subscribe so you know when you will hear the new episodes. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear your promo on the air, uh, submit it to Keep the Kayfabe at our DMs on Instagram or Facebook. And I bumped into this dude the other day. And he's like, hey, man, you got the time? And I was like, no, dude, I'm not wearing my watch, but I got three pieces of advice for you. Listen up. Stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. <laughs> Triple H! <laughs> the third one's easy when Chris Statlander's on the Oh! Awesome. All right. Be cool. Peace.